welcome to the <laughs> shut intros are hard thanks for listening it's sweet tnd and it's episode 30 woo <laughs> <laughs> we're so happy to be here i'm your host zach i'm happy to be here too fuck you jamie <laughs> that's right <laughs> so uh today we're going to be talking about some fun monsters i have selected the shusuva which is found on page 138 and sorry 136 and 137 of the volo's guide to monsters it's a very precious pupper just kidding it's a demon uh so <laughs> jk it's demon <laughs> the shusuva is a hyena a hyena demon gifted from you sorry i'm not gonna say you know goo you know goo 20 especially powerful no you're welcome with that beautiful pronunciation we oh, need yeah. a guide typically as a fang of you or Yinaga, who knows? A Shusava manifests shortly after a warband achieves a great victory, emerging from a billowing, fetid cloud of smoke as it arrives from the abyss. You know, it's home turf. In battle, the demon wraps its slavering jaws around one victim, while lashing out with a poisonous stinger on its tail to bring another one down. A creature mobilized by the poison becomes an easy pickings for any knoll nearby. Each Shusava is bonded to a particular knoll and fights alongside its master. These things are kind of mean, especially if you have a whole war band of gnolls to fight. It looks like a hyena wolf kind of dog combined together with sharp spines and a uh, scorpion tail. Because, you know, fuck you, I guess. Um, it is white and kind of losing a lot of its... It looks like it has mange. It does. It also looks like it has like the spikes on its back. It does, like the... Um, uh, like a stegosaurus or something? Yeah, like a stegosaurus. So it is a large fiend. It's a demon, and it is chaotic evil. Its armor class is 14, which is just its natural armor. I guess that's the spikes. It has a hit points of 110 or 169, if my math is right, for 13d10 plus 39. Its speed is 40, so I can haul ass. It has a strength of 18 plus 4, a dexterity of 13 plus 1, a constitution of 17 plus 3, an intelligence of 7 minus 2. It's a dog. Don't get too excited. Or it's a hyena. Uh, its wisdom is 14 plus 2, and its beautiful charisma is 9 minus 1. Um, its saving throw is a plus 4 to dex, a plus 6 to con, and a plus 5 to wisdom. So it's a little difficult when it comes to making saves. It's pretty good at it uh, for CR8 monster. It is resistant to cold, fire, lightning, bludgeoning piercing and slashing from non-magical attacks uh it is immune to poison and it is immune to the following conditions charmed frightened and poison if you're made of poison you can't be poisoned it has a dark vision sense of 60 feet with a passive perception of 12 it speaks abyssal null and uses telepathy up to 120 feet so at least it can communicate with you although its intelligence is negative too so it's like bark bark motherfucker give me some food uh, it is a CR8, as mentioned before, and it's 3,900 XP each. Um, its special skill is to rampage. So you want it on your side. Rampage! <laughs> no, 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 no. When the creature uh, it is attacking is reduced to zero hit points with a melee attack on its turn, the Shusava can take a bonus action to move up to the half its speed and make a bite attack. Uh, it has multi-attack, so whenever it comes up to you, it bites and also uses its stinger. Uh, the book says that it bites one creature, stings the other, so that it makes it easier for the enemies or its allies around it to kill you for fun. 
Uh, its bite is a melee weapon attack of plus seven with a reach of five feet. One target hit is 26 or 40, 10 plus four piercing damage. You're dead. Um, lastly, its action could be a tail stinger. It is plus seven to hit. It reaches 15 feet. One creature hits, uh, er, sorry, it hits one creature and it does 13 or 2d8 plus four piercing damage as a target, uh, must make a 14 DC constitution saving throw or become poisoned. Bonus, this poison also causes paralysis. And this creature may repeat the saving throw at the end of its turn. For those of you who are unfamiliar with those certain specific conditions, if you're paralyzed, you are considered incapacitated, which means you can't take actions and you can't move or speak. The creature automatically fails strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage. Any attack that hits the creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet of the creature. You're dead. You're so dead. You're pretty much dead. A lot of DMs um, edit these rules and the guidelines. I know I have in the past just because it's like, I know you're paralyzed, but are you like really paralyzed or can you still talk? Has it... Made it to your vocal cords and throat muscles yet? <laughs> yeah, I, hmm. I I see it as beneficial if you're playing a high magic party to paralyze people who can't speak because they can't cast. But yeah. you're already fucked. You can't take actions. Um, you can't do anything. There's no way you can defend yourself. Like I would totally be okay if somebody's like I'm paralyzed and just like talking through clenched teeth. Screw it. That's fun. Are you ready? If you're willing to do the role play, I would let it slide too. Yes. But you'd have to be willing to do that. But you can't cast spells. Okay. My monster is not a monster. It's just misunderstood. It's a Durgar. Um, If you don't know what they are, they're some vicious ass dwarves. Uh, the Durgar, the cruel Durgar plot not only to defeat other dwarves, but to cast down the entire dwarven pantheon in revenge for their being abandoned and left to be enslaved by mind flayers. To this end, Durgar trained warriors to fulfill a variety of roles. This is this is coming from Mordekane's Tome of Foes, and there is like a whole bit about Durgars. It starts on page 188. The Durgar that I'm talking about, which is the Mind Master, is on page 189, but it continues all the way to page 193. So it's like three or four pages of, you know, information angry dwarves angry freaking dwarves all right but the mind master uh, is a medium humanoid dwarf lawful evil has a natural or has a leather armor ac of 14 it has hit points that are from 39 up to 6d8 plus 12 because i can't add i think that's 50 um i don't know 68 plus 12 6d8 plus 12 I can't do math either. I'm tired. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's around there. Do math. Get a calculator. <laughs> its speed is 25 feet. It has a strength of 11, a, a surprising dex of 17, a con of 14, intelligence of 15, a wisdom of 10, and a charisma of 12. Um, its saving throws are wisdom at plus 2. Its skills are with perception plus 2 and a stealth plus 5. It is resistant to poison damage. It has dart vision at 120 feet, true sight at up to 30 feet, Damn. and a passive perception of 12. It knows Dwarvish and Undercommon as its languages, and it is a challenge rating of 2 at 450 XP. 
not nearly as dirty as your monster. Um, it's doing its best. It's doing its best. You're um, doing great, sweetie. <laughs> it has Duragar resilience. The Duragar has advantage on saving throws against poisons, spells, and illusions, as well as to resist being charmed or paralyzed. Um, it has sunlight sensitivity. While in sunlight, the Duragar has disadvantage on attack rolls, as well as on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. It has several attacks. Um, the first of which is this multi-attack. The Duragar makes two melee attacks. It can replace one of those attacks with a use of mind mastery. The first one uh, of its attacks is mind poison dagger. That sounds fancy. It's a melee weapon attack with a plus five to hit or reach of five feet on a single target. On a hit, it does five up to seven piercing damage and ten up to eighteen psychic damage or... One piercing damage and 14 up to 24 psychic damage, damage while reduced. I don't know what that means. While reduced? Oh, size. It can reduce and enlarge. Oh, yeah. It can do that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, it has invisibility, which recharges on a 4, 5, or 6. The Duragar magically turns invisible for up to one hour or until it attacks, casts a spell, or uses its reduced... Or its concentration is broken, as if it was concentrating on a spell. Any equipment the Duragar wears or carries is invisible with it. It has mind mastery. The Duragar targets one creature it can see within 60 feet of it. The target must succeed on a DC-12 intelligence saving throw, or the Duragar causes it to use its reaction either to make one weapon attack against another creature the Duragar can see, or to move up to 10 feet in the direction of the Duragar's choice. Creatures that can't be charmed are immune to this effect. That and would it, suck. It would suck. How many attacks does it get? Uh, two melee attacks. Or, or one. Or one mind mastery. One mind mastery oh, and no. one attack. Uh, it can replace one of the attacks. So it, gets a, it always gets a melee attack and it can use either another melee attack or mind mastery. Oh, it stabs you and then be like, hit them. <laughs> I stab you, now you stab you. Um... <laughs> It also has one more thing. It has reduce, which recharges after a short or long rest. For one minute, the Duragar magically re uh, decreases in size along with anything it is wearing or carrying. While reduced, the Duragar is tiny, reduces its weapon damage to one, and makes attacks, checks, and saving throws with disadvantage if they use strength. It gains a plus five to all dexterity or stealth checks and a plus five bonus to its AC. Weird. Uh, it can also take a bonus action on each of its turns to take the hide action. Like a rogue. Yes. Just like a rogue. Damn. Stealthy little stabby stabby bastard. The picture of this thing is quite scary. I am not certain if it's wearing a mask or if that's what it really looks like. And it seems to have blood all over his beard. The Duragar seem like a bunch of assholes. <laughs> They've been fucked over a lot. I think we talked about them a little bit during our Mind Flayer episode. A little bit. <laughs> and they, they've suffered. Are you ready for some dungeon doodles? I am. I am ready for the doodles. <laughs> Are you ready to get doodled? Yeah. I want to see your shoesiva. Look at it. Shoesiva. Oh it's fucking adorable. <laughs> um, that is definitely not a hyena, though. It was a rough going of it. <laughs> it was a very rough going. It is, is it? It is. It is very. I see, oh, these are the holes in its flesh, aren't they? That's sad. It looks like a beautiful dog, and then you're just like, but it's, it has leprosy. <laughs> this, this is the dog they sing about in the ASPCA commercials. 
in the hearts of the angels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Please don't serve us. Uh, I like it. Scorpion tail. It's very scorpiony. Scorpiony. Hold on. I think it looks really good. It's adorable. It looks kind of like a fucked up Dalmatian that got into some pink ink. Oh, it's the mange. It's, the, <laughs> it's got the mange. And it has, it was, it somehow it glows. It emits, it looks like it emits this light from its torso in the mm. picture. Um, so I was trying to capture that essence. <laughs> is that what the white is? It looks like it's sat in a puddle of its own pee. It looks like it has to be. Like you can see through its organs and it just. And it's just like, that's its be. bladder full <laughs> and ready to go. <laughs> it has a fungus growing right on its tummy. All right. Are you ready for my Dwar- Duergar mind? Do it. Wow me. Mind thing. Mind thing. Mind thing. Mind thing. Right, it is very rough. Oh. He looks like he has arthritis in his right hand, which is rough when you're trying to meld mines. Mind melder? I don't remember his name. Oh, what are you even doing? Make sure you write the name and page number. On I those. will eventually. And also, its right hand looks like, or left hand looks like it has like the infinity gauntlet on it. Because I was A like, little bit. I'm going to draw knuckles. And then it was just like, these are not knuckles. These look like rivets. <laughs> they do look like rivets, and he's trying his best. Um, he has no teeth because I tried to draw them, and I was like, you know what? Dentures. Or just he's Fuck gonna it. he's gonna gum it. He's gonna gum you to death. I do like his empty eyes. I do realize also now that I did not give him another foot. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of problems. He's got one foot. He's got In arthritis. Infinity gauntlet. <laughs> no teeth. No teeth, a really sunken skull. He's doing his best. He's trying to get by. Oh, man. He's struggling. So does it look like he has a really weird, like, right angle in his arm? Or is that more like... You, you see that as a sleeve. Uh, I know it's supposed to be his sleeve. Okay, good. I'm glad you know that, because I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought, like, that looks neat. Um, Well, it's beautiful, and I can't wait for anybody to judge it, although nobody votes. So if you see these on Insta or Twits or Facebook, Twits, give it a like. Give it your judgment. Um, uh, You know what we could do? What can we do? We could split these into two different photos instead of one. And then if we do that, whoever gets the most likes is the winner. Therefore, you just get to vote with a button. Not with words. Not with words. Don't feel need to use words. We don't. This is democracy. We don't just, need to use just words. Just double tap that shit. Double tap. Um. Double tap. All right. We can do that. Like I've, on Instagram, you have to double tap. Oh, it. like it. Oh, oh. you just had to hit a heart. I don't know how Either social way. media works. Either way, I'm down for that. Life. I'll do that. I'll post it as two separate things, and we'll see. Do it. Do it. Do it. What am I supposed to do with all this leftover meat? Do it. <laughs> I forced somebody to watch that today. They did not enjoy it as much as I did. Granted, I think they just finished teaching. And most of us are pretty soulless right after teaching. So Most teachers are soulless right after teaching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. So since Jamie provided our wonderful magic items last week, two weeks ago, which were? Listen to the episode. Put you there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> our memory is shit. Uh, uh, my magic item was... I know what it was. Of course you do. What was it? The Book of Killing Jokes. Oh, that's right. It was the Book of Killing Jokes. 
pretty great magic item. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It's real fucked up if you get that hundred. Oh but, mm. yeah. So today I'm going to be talking about some fun, flavorful magic ammunition. Uh, this comes from tribality, tribality, um, tri- tribality, T R I B A L I T Y. Doing great. Uh, so this is from October of 2015. It is a post from uh, Sean Ellsworth, E L L S W O R T H. Uh, it is going over a bunch of magic arrows you can use, which should be very fun to use in your party. That way you don't have just kind of like the, I shot it in the face and now it's bleeding from that one small wound. This was aimed at creating something to have kind of a splash attack to it. So for fun, the Firestorm Arrow, which has two rank or three ranks in total, uncommon, rare, and very rare. The attacks go up for all of these arrows, plus one, plus two, plus three, whenever it increases in rarity. It goes 1d6 fire damage to the targeted creature, 2d6 fire damage to the creature, and then lastly it hits an additional 3d6 fire damage to hit the creature and any five uh, creature within five feet of the target, including your allies, must make a dexterity saving throw of 13 or take 1d6 fire damage. Nice. There's also a lightning one that functions very same except the DC is a 15 constitution save. There is a freezing arrow that is very much the same, except you're doing constitution. Uh, and the outcome would be, for lightning, they are stunned until the end of their next turn. So instead of it hitting the target, the target is stunned if they fail. and Or hitting additional targets outside of the intended target. And then other than that, when it's a constitution saving throw, they're petrified or frozen until the end of their next turn. Uh, for a This only occurs, though, on those very rare bows. Or, sorry, very rare arrows. Uh, the next one, which I thought was very fun, was a sleep arrow. It's also plus one, plus two, plus three for your attack and damage. Uh, it is a DC 11 wisdom save or fall asleep. Uh, DC 14 wisdom save for the plus two and a DC 17. So your DC goes up, but it is an auto success on the creature falling asleep. That is amazing. That would be nice. This one's a little terrifying. It is a non-lethal arrow, so it says that it does not actually hurt the target. Um um let's see so the description of this one which i thought was the most interesting the arrow is painted white and has white fletching it gets a bonus to attack roll made by the ammunition blah 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 blah. if the arrow hits a creature it bursts into magical energy and deals only non-lethal damage equal to the amount of the damage rolled a creature that has fallen asleep or is unconscious for one minute or until the sleeper takes damage or is slept shaken awake Unconscious, undead, or creatures that are immune to being charmed aren't affected by the sleep magic of the arrow and only take the non-lethal damage. Once fired, the arrow is destroyed and cannot be recovered. So the additional thing on here is you have to remember that there is non-lethal damage. Um, It's considered non-lethal that way you're not stabbing them because you can always call whether a shot is non-lethal or not when you're working. Another one I've seen that isn't listed on this page is a uh, darkness arrow. It casts as darkness when you hit it, the target. It spawns darkness around it based off of the, I think, second level spell. So it's an impressive thing. You can, I would suggest if you're working on these, start messing with these and start making a bunch of arrows that do a bunch of spells. I believe there are some subclasses in the, um, I want to say Xanathar's Guide does magic arrows for uh, archers and rangers. So check those out if you're interested in these magic arrows. Talk to your DM if you're interested and want to get some. Oh, yeah. Find them in a shop. See if they'd be interested in introducing them if you're a player. Or if you're a DM, fuck it. Do it what you want. Or you're if you adult. find them like, in a or random... Child. I don't know. 
If you find a random chest, you can na 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 na. Bomb arrows. Oh, I love those in Zelda. Bomb arrows were good. We're back to Zelda again. We nailed it. Full circle. It was me this time. You're welcome. Uh, So, lastly, we're going to talk about our DM tips. Just the tips. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. One day we'll get it in unison. Uh, So, today I'm going to be talking about giving advice in the game. And by that, I mean from the DM to the player. At what point did you ruin your puzzle? I've had some people who don't figure out puzzles very well. One's sitting right next to me. I suck at D&D puzzles. <laughs> Which is weird. I feel like I'm fairly okay at escape rooms. Oh, we kicked ass at escape puzzles, rooms. But when it comes to... Because I think in D&D, because it's not tangible. I have to think it. I have to imagine it all in my brain and then use my imagination to solve the puzzle. I'm like, no, I'm not getting it. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I think this would be a good kind of idea of like... Or thinking of how far is too far. So where do you want to break the illusion of some god peering over the group and going, you're fucking it up, and just (laughs) tell them what they're doing wrong? Or sometimes I think it's best to let their actions take course so you get to see it blow up in their face. Hopefully not a fireball, but like the outcome from it. But I think it's very important when you're giving advice to a player, you can be vague if that's helpful. If being vague is going to save it from being like, oh, I automatically know the answer. There's no struggle with this whatsoever, particularly with puzzles and uh, traps. I think a lot of it is just, oh, I've got to pull back and let them figure it out. Let them troubleshoot it. The only reason I really will jump the gun on maybe you should think about it this way or think about it, blah, blah, blah. And the way I, only reason I do that is if they're taking so long. You only have so long to prepare. You only have so long to play. If somebody's stuck, it's no longer fun. It's time to get advice. But the other aspect I like to think of is like how much in giving advice, I would also say giving knowledge in terms of like what if they forgot something very important that you made sure to highlight over and over and over again. This is something that happens. This is something that happened. This is information. This is general lore about the entire economy or world you're in. This is super important. And then the players act not knowing this information or pretending they never heard it or just never acknowledge that even though you said it seven times, they aren't paying attention. So normally I would suggest if you're a player, when the DM says something, that's pretty important. I was with a coworker today who was making slides for their class and he titled the slide Boring Definitions just to get their attention. So they read them and went, oh, they're boring but they're probably important. Like if I'm telling you lore or backstory and you're walking through some old ass ruin, I'm like, and it's a mural of some cool shit. I didn't spend 30 minutes making up a description for you to be like, cool. I'm going to go set off that trap or go steal some loot. I'm giving you hints and I'm giving you advice by paying attention. Maybe there's some imagery in there that's going to help you out. And maybe that's what you need to do as a DM. Give them imagery and advice or a note or something. Give them something to point them in the right direction. Or just give them the, oh, roll me an intelligence check. You recall this. That's my favorite thing. I like asking the dumb characters, roll me an intelligence check. <laughs> a five? Cool. You remember today is Thursday. <laughs> that's, that's it. But I think what becomes helpful and what's really important is if you can work in a character's backstory to give advice. 
So if you're in a specific city and you're like, hey, there's some important event coming up that is important that could help you with this heist, this scheme, whatever you're doing. Oh, roll me an intelligence check. That way the DC is low for them because they live there. <laughs> um, then you can just say, you recall that on the third day of every Friday, there's a weird third day of every Friday. That's not a day. Uh, the third Friday of every month, there's this celebration or whatever. And then that's something that you could bring into the character that they can then present to the party and be like, hey, it's party time. It's party time. Party time. <laughs> Get down with your bad self and party. So I think there are some benefits to, hey, we got to move this along or you're stuck on a puzzle. Let me give you a little hint. Um, at one point, I did an escape room in Colorado and it had the weirdest system of hints. I've done escape rooms where there's a walkie-talkie, there's a button you push, and then you get a note on a screen that tells you what to do. So simple or high-tech systems of delivering messages, although a walkie-talkie is not with that though at one point this uh woman who developed her escape room had a pipe installed in the wall just kind of at the corner and she had some heavy paper that was coated in plastic or something it was like laminated and she would set stuff in the top and let it drop so it made a large clack when it hit the ground because it was plastic coated or at one point she had like a little like messenger tube that she would drop paper in and it would get sucked into the room and blasted into the center of the room that's fun. I wish I had played that one. It was fun. It was, it was kind of weird because this woman was very hippy dippy. It was Colorado. <laughs> hippy dippy. Hippy dippy. It was also inside of like a like secondhand weird ass shop. I cannot remember the name of this escape room. If you're in Fort Collins, Colorado, I'm sure you can find it. But Are you talk about Q? No, this is a different one. I took oh. my parents to this one, but uh, she walked around the room. She spoke very quietly, and she's just like, "You, sir." Let me see your hands. And so I'd be like, okay, please don't cut me. So Jamie, let me see your hands. Okay. You have the magic. And then she would just walk away with no explanation. So uh, (laughs) she ended up, we we figured it out that a lot of some of the puzzles required you to put heat in them. And so she was testing whether your hands are warm. My poor mother. She's so cold hearted. Uh, She was not, she did not have the magic. Your mother is the best. So... Uh, that's my DM tip. Just the tips. Um, so <laughs> I talked too much. Yeah, you did. Um, you know how magic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the magic in you. Um, I would say a lot of this. Don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to see him sweat. Okay, Cause sometimes that's the best kind of vengeance you can get as a DM is just watching them sweat and panic if you can get it in there just absentmindedly roll your dice every about 20 seconds (laughs) that scares everyone it scares everyone you're gonna their hearts are gonna race they're gonna start sweating (laughs) you know what else scares people when you're attacking and you don't roll and just say you take seven damage you didn't roll yeah (laughs) i didn't i did you a favor fuck you (laughs) um so I would say let them sweat it just a little bit. But if you do have any extended amount of time and they are really having trouble with it and they are like me and you just can't get it to work for some reason, then you can, oh, there's always a cleric in the party or a warlock or someone who has like a patron or a deity. You can tell them to pray. You can tell them that they need to um, do something. Use the commune spell. 
Like they need to do, like you can always offer up something as penance. Puzzles for dummies. I think I want to even say that I told them they would have to like do something for advice because essentially they're asking God, quote unquote, you being the DM, they're asking for help because they are completely stuck and you can demand penance. You can tell them they have to make a blood sacrifice. You can tell them they have to kill one of their party members. I don't know. Jesus. Hey, you know what? You may be a kind and loving God. I am a terrible, wrathful God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Old Testament God. (laughs) You're New Testament God. I'm just smiting everything. (laughs) Fuck you, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, But do be aware, though, as you're a DM and you're designing puzzles, what makes sense to you doesn't make sense to everybody. And so when you're thinking about that, make sure like, oh, this is easy. Everyone understands that. Your brain is different from everybody else's. Very correct. So if you're like blood sacrifice, you could also be like, this puzzle's harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. I would definitely say also, um, if you're expecting them to solve a puzzle in a game that uses your imagination, make something tangible because it's, your imagination as a DM might be vastly different than your player's imagination <laughs> and they may just not imagine it the same way. So if you can have something to guide them, something they can look at, touch, you know, to help them along the way, that might be a good thing too because imaginations vary from person to person. Yeah. And lastly, when in doubt, make an NPC do it. Fuck yeah. If they're if they're not paying attention, at one point I had a small party, so I made my own character to play with, and they didn't really talk that much. But if they asked me as a character and phrased it correctly and weren't a dick about it, I'd be like, oh, well, here's where I would go with it. Or I would just give them wrong advice because I'm an NPC and I don't know the answers. So uh, if anything, it would be a lot of benefit to, oh, well, the party is familiar with this noble informant whatever they can ask them or whoever's traveling with them this sounds like a good idea seek counsel it's not hard and as a council member or the person who runs the world you can uh explain what's going on just the tips (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for listening uh if you found us thanks 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 for finding us. Uh, if you haven't, you which is weird, <laughs> which is weird if you're listening to this, but never know how you did it. If you just maybe, maybe someone is forcing you to listen to us. If that's cool, sorry. whoever that is, thank you. Uh, if not, maybe your cat walked across a keyboard and now you're here. We're s- thank you, cat. Uh, that's the only time I'll ever thank a cat. <laughs> Sweet T and D and D. Speak to me, keyboard, and speak to me, toe beans from a cat. Toe beans. Toe beans. Uh, so I'm going to name a cat Toe Beans. No, you're uh, not. I'm, you're not, not I'm never going to have a cat, cat ever again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't lie to our listeners like that. <laughs> so either way, thanks for listening. Uh, if you don't know where to find us, you can find us on our website, sweetteandnd.simplecast.com. We're also on your podcatchers of choice as Sweet Tea and D&D, all separate words. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sweet Tea and D&D, all one word. And that D-N-D, not D-N-D. No ampersand. No ampersand. We can't afford it. Uh, check that out. Check our dungeon doodles out on our Instagram. Uh, be sure to vote because Jamie had to drink a gross Arizona oh, sweet God, tea and it was fun. Nasty. But I had to smell it too, so I also suffered. It smelled like can. <laughs> so this tea smells like can. <laughs> Aluminum. Mmm, tasty. Mmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs>